Hello, and welcome to Stationary Jason, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I am Justin Twyfin, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how are you today? I am very well, thank you, Justin. It's a lovely warm day. I've been hyper productive, got loads done. I'm feeling good. How are things in delightful Canada? I've not been that productive, but, uh, you know, this time in the morning, I've got to give myself a little bit of leeway on that one, though it looks like it's going to be a good day. It's warm here. I had to close my curtains so that the sun rising straight into my eyeballs, uh, I could still see the monitor. So we'll see how this goes. It's, it's getting warm here again, which is interesting because we had floods in the city to the south of us the other day because... Uh, thunder and lightning. Oh, it's very, very frightening, Stu. <laughs> uh, and I, I believe, actually, Australia yesterday, I think, had had a weather event. Um, I, th- I think it had some 12 inches of rain in like two hours or something. Oof. The world is going bananas. Yeah, we had uh, floods and it was, uh, the pictures of it, because we didn't go down there, were quite, quite amazing. Uh, both cities, north and south of me, have got flood events in the middle of a desert or mm. you know desert like uh ter- terroir i think is the correct winemaking term it's just a weirdest thing but you know i have no idea what's normal up here because first year and all that good stuff though hey uh, speaking of canada i learned something go on tell me just because you asked me a tough question you asked me what canada day was and i hadn't got a clue so i googled it because you know that's what that's what we do. For sure. Apparently, it was formerly known as Dominion Day, and it's the National Day of Canada. It is a federal statutory holiday, which is why I had the day off, which I like it. Uh, and it celebrates the anniversary of the Canadian Confederation, which occurred on July 1st, 1867, with the passing of the British North America Act, which I'm going to say this. We're old, but this even predates us. So it's very old. <laughs> ah, anyway, so there you go. That's Canada for you. It's a, it's the celebration of a British law. That That's essentially what happened. Um, and well, what I love about it is that actually, on paper, Canada wasn't really independent until 1982. And even then... Even then, you've re- you've maintained the Queen as the head of state. Mm-hmm. We still look at the Queen every time we use that thing called cash. So it's it's a very weird situation. <laughs> uh, but you know, we we we're glad to not be part of uh, Brit- the the British Empire today because uh, I was watching all of the fun and exciting politics <laughs> of uh, how to lose uh, faith with your party in in Britain today. <laughs> Oh, it was brilliant. Um, I'm sure every, by the time this goes out, everybody will know that the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom has uh, resigned. But uh, for a while, he refused to. And at one point, he had lost so many members of Parliament had, uh, from his own party had said that they could no longer work with him, that 37 members of government, so those are people with ministerial posts of, of one type or another, had resigned. And he didn't have enough willing people to fill those posts in Parliament. <laughs> and yet still, he was saying, no, 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 times are tough. You've got to stick around. <laughs> oh, splendid. 
Um, so yes, he's gone. I can see a management theory book coming on leadership, the Boris Johnson style. Uh, well, uh, he's a great admirer of Churchill, uh, and he is um, a classicist and a historian. So uh, heaven, knows, he's, he's also uh, entirely deluded. Uh, so <laughs> heaven knows what he'll make of it all. Let's be honest, what politician isn't entirely deluded? Indeed, yes. I, I suspect I will be soon writing a blog post saying, be careful what you wish for, United Kingdom, um, because I'm not quite sure who's going to step up and replace uh, Boris and whether it's going to be an improvement or not. Um, but there you are. So I, I think we've got to touch on what religion and whatever else now, because we've already probably pissed off a third of our uh, listeners uh, <laughs> by going to politics. So we, we will stop away from the politics apart from just to say it's a car crash. And, you know, sometimes as a completely independent observer, uh, both Stu and I, uh, don't live in England. It is interesting to watch the destruction of a politician. It's ended. Po politics blows your mind, really. Well, I, I would say it's a, it's another mop-haired politician, you know, uh, who's uh, who's gone by the wayside. So I think ultimately, if you're going to predict the outcome of of elections anyway, look to the hair. That's my advice, everyone. Look to the hair. Yeah, let's let's not look to hair when we're talking to me. <laughs> right. Well, my bit of follow up is that I know you're going to find this difficult to believe, Justin, but I received some feedback on my volume levels in this very podcast, you know. Uh, a, a couple of people got in touch uh, and pointed out that, well, I can sometimes err on the noisy side, which I know you'll find difficult to believe. Mm. Uh, so as a consequence, as a consequence, uh, I have, uh, in typical Stu fashion, 35 minutes before recording time, sat at my desk and thought, I know... I'll shift things about. Oh. And and so uh the the podcasting computer, which is my Mac Mini, uh, which was over there, uh, is now here. Um and I'm assuming there's some like uh, behind the scenes pointing that nobody can see at this point. No, listen, uh, to anybody that listens to this podcast must have some sort of imagination. It's not as though we're entirely professional and descriptive, is it? <laughs> My my Mac Mini, which was my um, recording machine, was up on the the shelf, and it, it got to the point where the only thing I was doing on that machine was recording, and I'm recording standing up, and as a consequence, uh, you, you get the full use of the lungs, and I've got a fine pair of lungs, isn't it? Um, so. As I start moving and getting more animated, then I get noisier. So I thought, I know, I'll sit. But to sit, I had to move it to the desk. So everything moved. What slightly worries me is that I made that decision 30 minutes before recording time, or 35 minutes before recording time. I don't mind telling you, it's been quite frenetic in here, Justin, but uh, it's done. I'm sitting at my desk, and I still have my view because I've got the monitor off to one side. Hmm. I've got the mic on the boom. and I'm sitting now with the mic sort of slightly above me, but upside down. So I'm hoping that I'm speaking at the right point. And my, my little sort of wavy line things, my little, you know, they, they, look, they look okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. For all those people concerned about you know, me, me getting very excited, I, I hopefully won't. 
I, I know you're excited by that, Justin. No, I'm just thinking of your room, and I know the big fridge that chugs along is now directly behind your microphone. Well, yes, but there is a very large Scottish man between the microphone and the fridge. Yes, but your microphone can pick up a mouse fart at 50 feet. Listen, my microphone is is a very nice uh, a Rode, or Rode, a mini, mini, a Rode Mini, I think it is, actually, is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And it's got a it's got a little sort of thingy on it, mm-hmm. uh, a little sort of woolly hat. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good thing I have all the software, Stu, is all I'm saying. Oh, honestly, you're, there's no pleasing you, Twyford, no pleasing you at all. Uh, it's okay. You know, I can tell when it gets hot in your neighborhood because uh, I hear your fridge and I hear the AC. <laughs> well, the fridge to, to date, at the moment, it's been very quiet, but the AC is on. I'm happy to concede that because it is, let's have a quick look now, 33 degrees. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ah, more work for Justin. That's okay. Yes. All right. You know what? I need some work. I got to get back and get focused this week. I fell off the wagon on the weekends, too. Ah, holiday weekend. I mean, who doesn't? Uh, Holiday weekend. We had guests. Uh, And you know when guests come up to wine country? Uh, Guess what? They want wine. You go out wine tasting. They want wine. Oh my gosh. So I was doing really, really good. We talked about accountability and I was doing really, really good on my diet and the not drinking. And then we had guests and well, we, we had a couple of vineyards. I found a lovely new vineyard with the most amazing views. Um, then we came back and went out for dinner. And of course, you know, with dinner, you've got to have a drink. And then we came back and well, we raided the the wine cellar for some lovely wine. And then next thing you know, I don't know if you, you end up doing this. We ended up at my bar doing a sampling of bourbons. So um, Sunday morning was a little rough. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think I blew through, you know, my app that I have that says how many drinks per day. Um, it started yelling at me about halfway through Saturday and uh, we didn't get all the way through before uh, it told me, no, you can't drink for the next month. <laughs> I need a more generous app is what I'm thinking, Stu. But uh, yeah. I, uh, clearly there's something wrong with that app. Uh, I am back on the wagon, as they say, uh, t- this week and doing really well. But oh, God, what a weekend. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I could do this entertaining thing, Stu. It's rough. Uh, absolutely. I'm just looking at mine, um, uh, my, my app for its insights. Um, what's it trying to, because I saw something at, earlier which just made me laugh because i had something similar on friday where um we just just went for a quick quiet drink and then maybe something to eat type thing and oh. by the time we'd got to food i drank my weekly allowance i think um, <laughs> um uh, here we go right so my achievements uh drink less than 14 units in a week big red cross missed it <laughs> each week is a new start um and then beneath that i've got have at least four alcohol free days a week well done you hit last week's goal so i'm one for two i i think that's what we're saying there mm-hmm. and um I, like you this week i've i'm uh, thus far no alcohol has touched my lips and here we are for me this is now thursday evening uh so that'll be my four days done um i i can cut loose 
I can have all, maybe as much as two drinks each day for the rest of the week. Yay. I just, this, this self-control thing's really hard, isn't it, Stu? Uh, it is, it is. But, you know, I could, frankly, I could stand to lose a pound or two. I think that'd probably be a good thing. I'll, I'll use that as my motivation. Mm. Uh, based on what you we were talking about last week, I did actually pick up on Kindle uh, one of Alan Carr's books on reframing. Okay. Uh, he's got some stuff to do with uh, good sugars and bad sugars and all the stuff I'm dealing with at the moment. Mm-hmm. How do I say this? I, I've I've kind of picked up a couple of books and put them back down lately because I always hate when an author spends the first, you know, half an hour explaining why they are the experts on the subject. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, buddy, I've already invested in you. I bought the damn book. Just tell me the good stuff. Not what all the history is trying to explain why it's a, why it's such a thing. It's like, I want to skip ahead, but I don't want to miss anything. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a real tough slog for me. I don't know. Do you, do, you, do you ever get that with books? Oh, I do. And I mean, Alan Carr, much though I admire him, uh, yeah, he's passed away now, but it, his, um, he's written one book and then edited it 12 times. Yeah. So uh, it's the exact same, same technique. It says we'll change the vice. So after after smoking he did alcohol i think uh then he did um food or, or weight gain or you know whatever, whatever the terminology was which i mean essentially his deal for that was eat fruit every morning that that was the magic button just eat fruit oh i can't wait to see what he says about sugars because uh, yeah fruit is sugars so that that should be entertaining don't eat fruit every morning exactly <laughs> yes i think it would have changed it it would have been don't eat fruit yeah, we'll see. Uh, for terrible stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, I guess it's these guys. I mean, I'm reading a, a book uh, at the moment, which is in the, you know, similar genre. It's about, you know, self-improvement and all that sort of stuff. And there is a formula, isn't there? There's this sort of opening paragraph, chapter, section, uh, act that, that covers act, yes, why you should read this, <laughs> basically. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, got it. Um what can you do? That's just the way it all works. And hmm. I, I believe we've had email, Justin. We have. I got a couple of emails from Lisa S. Uh, she's listened to the previous stuff and gave me some really good advice. Uh, so Musgrave, I was complaining that I couldn't get Musgrave shipped up here to Canada, mm-hmm. apart from going through Nero's. And she pointed out that uh, Amazon carries it, particularly Amazon Canada carries Musgrave, which I was really, really excited by. Mm. And then I went towards some, looked at it, and went, I don't think so. A mixed package of 12 pencils, uh, the new little sort of sampler pack that they've got. Yeah. Um, US dollars on the US Amazon site is about $12 US, $13, something like that. Mm -hmm. It's listed at over $70 Canadian to buy it from the Canadian site. So uh, that is a no-go. That's over 50 bucks US for the same pencils. Um, And I kind of looked at that and thought, you know, even Blackwing doesn't charge me 50 US for for pencils. Mm -hmm. They're getting close, but not quite. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. So what I did do was I actually went to Amazon.com, which is out of the US, and they will ship some things to Canada. You have to pay for shipping, but 
the $13 plus it's like $8 and change for shipping gets me the same thing for about $23 US. Okay. Which is half what I can buy from, from the same company, which just blows my mind that, you know, it's that much of a price differential. Anyway, uh, the moral there, always check your options, know your pricing and check your options because that would just be lighting money on fire for absolutely no conceivable reason. For sure. Blows me away. Or buy from Nero's. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I have to say, occasionally we get um, we get orders on Nero's and I'll be looking through it and I'll go, uh-huh. And I, I read through it and it's a selection of pencils. It might be Black Wings, there might be some Musgraves, there might be, you know, Generals, all sorts of stuff there. And then it's an American customer with an American shipping address. Now, we ship to the States, that's fine. But um, clearly it's not cheap because, you know, the Atlantic, <laughs> who knew? It's a long way. Um, and I will sort of drop a note into the customer saying, um, just in case you hadn't picked it up, we're in the UK, um, which is why you've, you know, bought $50 worth of pencils and been charged $70 for them plus $50 shipping. <laughs> you, you might want to perhaps look locally. And I'll tell you what, nine times out of 10, the customers come back very gently and say, yep, yep, I had seen all of that, but you've got the last stock of these that we can find anywhere. Oh, okay then, right, fine. So there is some advantage to uh, UK's Blackwing distribution. You guys get them so late that they've sold out everywhere else first. Exactly. We are that we are the laggards paradise, um, which I'm not going to put on any marketing, but, um, <laughs> and, and the other thing that really works for us is dapper notes. Um, is, uh, Enon makes all of his notebooks by hand. I mean, he actually makes them <laughs> and, um, they are wonderful, beautiful things, but they are, um, I mean, the, by the time we sell them in the UK, they're probably like 20 bucks for a, for a single pocket notebook, <laughs> um, which, you know, I think is worth it for something that's handmade and unique. I think it's brilliant, but a lot of people will balk at that. They'll think, well, you know, I can get a pack of field notes and five pencils for that. No, that's too much. Um, but there are collectors in, in the States who occasionally miss an edition. <laughs> and we sell, I'd say at least 30, 35% of our dapper notes go straight back to the USA, <laughs> just having spent a couple of months with us in the UK. Wow. Crazy. Crazy. So moral, always check your options, including neurosnotes.co.uk. Did I get the URL right? You certainly did, young man. Although I, I think I've got most of the URLs now. <laughs> Do you have the .com with the new redirect? Yes. Oh, good choice. Yes. I think he did that just for TJ, right? Or for Gerald. <laughs> uh, no, I, th I think I had done it, um, but I hadn't set up the redirect because that's the sort of stuff I do. I go and spend money on uh, on URLs and then just leave them <laughs> hanging. Uh, the the joke there is uh, on 1857 Stu's other podcast, for the longest time, uh, they had a digital voice helper who had the wrong URL, had the .com, not the .co.uk. So for anybody that doesn't listen to that, uh, go listen to it. It's only once a month. Good listen. But uh, yeah, that was part of the joke. Anyway, uh, Lisa's other <laughs> follow-up. I, I love Lisa. She was helping me sort out my problems. Um, she hadn't heard 
my confession last episode that I had owned up to this with my wife and told her that I made a mess. Um, but she had given me some suggestions of using baking soda on the sink to wet the stain, sprinkle the baking soda, and add a few sprinkles of water so that it's gravyish. Let it sit for 15 minutes, clean it off, rubbing with enthusiasm and paper towels. As it's a mild abrasive, it's good for polishing stainless steel. So I've never actually done this before, and I wanted to bring it out because if anybody is like me and makes a mess, um, there you go. You've got a way to clean it up, particularly off the stainless steel. Um, she also suggested trying the baking soda with a toothbrush on the stone. Pick a small area to try. And she also recommended trying pen flush, but she said test a small area first. So some really, really good ideas. The bleach wipes that I confessed up to the wife that I bought because of uh, the stains did an okay job on the sink. They got rid of most of it. I could still see a little bit of a line there. I haven't actually got into the baking soda yet. It's kind of on my list of things to do, but I got rid of most of it. You know, it's not blue anymore. It's just sort of a darker stainless steel cover. What surprised me was it got most of the stain off the, the, the brickwork. So the brickwork, you could still see it if you look for it, but if you walk past it, you're not actually going to see it now. Uh, so I'm pretty, pretty happy with the, uh, the wipes. Uh, the nice thing about the wipes is because again, I'm on a septic system. I can just kind of use those and throw them away. It's kind of an expensive way to do it, but, uh, it worked well. I'm going to try the baking soda at some point, but right now it's not a high priority thing because I don't feel guilty every time I look at my sink, which is always a good mm. thing. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. There you go. And advice for when you do the same, Stu. If you ever do yeah. the same. Heavens to Murgatroyd. I don't use any of those nasty inks. I'm too frightened of them. I've got a bottle of the Noodler's Bay State Blue. Mm. And seeing what the impact of this Krishna ink was... Am I scared to ever touch that again? It's it's <laughs> it's like I've got a loaded hand grenade in in my ink case. I'm just I'm just so scared of it now. It's not even funny. But anyway, I I would bury it, I'd bury it deep. Oh yeah, I I don't even know. I think it would probably be against the law around here. <laughs> we we have strange things out here. Um, if you do any pesticide spraying in your garden. You actually have to get a permit and put a sign up in your yard. Oh, here. wow. Can you believe that? Well, I, don't, I think it's probably a good thing. Uh, because I guess it's a rural area. We've got all the, all the uh, well, we've got grapes across the street for the, for the wines. We've got all the apples in the orchard behind us. It's just one of those things, which is, you know, when you're walking a dog, it's actually lovely because you can say, nope, you're not going on to that uh, patch of grass because I can see the sign. It has been just sprayed and that sign has to stay up for, I think it's three or four days while the stuff is, is soaking in. So interesting and useless tidbit about living in rural Canada. Yeah, very good. All right, Stu, let's get back on target. All right. What have we got for a tool of the week? A uh, tool of the week for me is, uh, well, it's the book that I'm currently reading. Uh, it's called Building a Second Brain by Tiago Forte. Um, it's been doing the rounds on the podcast, so I imagine that uh, many listeners will have heard of it. 
Um, I picked it up oh, a few weeks back, just when it sort of came out. I think it was released, I'm going to say two weeks ago, um, and just started reading it this week. So I'm about halfway through. So you're just um, at the point where he's told you why. <laughs> why I should listen to him. Yes. No, no. We, we've moved through that. We've gone through um, the first four-letter acronym. Uh, I, and we may have gone through two of them, in fact. Uh, two, yes, two four-letter acronyms so far. Um, and, you know, I'm being slightly facetious, but uh, as acronyms go, they're pretty decent. So I, I'm enjoying it, but I dare say this may come up later. Mm, all right. What about you? What's your tool of the week? It's a fancy water bottle. A what? That's a fancy water bottle. That's it. Uh, no. Uh, health kick. Remember? We talked about it. Mm-hmm. Falling down. Um, I got back into, well, you know, I, I know some people made wine out of water in the history. Well, I'm not supposed to do that. So I figured, okay, the one way to stop me drinking wine is to get full on water. Okay. And so I want to track how much water I have. And a while ago I bought the Hydrate Spark Bluetooth water bottle. Have you ever seen one mm. of these or heard about them? No, I can't say I have. Hmm. So this is a stainless steel water bottle uh, with a kind of sippy top. I look like a a giant baby sipping water out of the top of it, but that's a whole different story. Um, It's really nice. It has electronics in the bottom of it. It's got a little little way station in it. So as you take a sip and you put it down, it will measure the weight of the water that you have drunk and it will update an app. It's also will flash when you haven't drunk enough and you're kind of behind what your daily target is and you can set the target in the app. So you can have that sitting on your desk and when you haven't drunk enough, it'll actually give you a nudge and flash at you and say, hey, um, you probably should drink a little bit more water. Very good. The fact that I can track it in the app on my on my phone is really good because then I can see what I've, what I've drank throughout the day, make sure I've drank enough. And it kind of reduces my coffee consumption because, well, if you have a target, I, I, I can hit a target if I'm told what to do. It's, it's an accountability partner. Is that a, is that a good callback, Stu, to last week? It's a, excellent work. I'm very impressed. I'm going to write that down. Mm. So anyway, if you are looking for a fancy bottle that tracks your water intake, that is not something you have to do manually. It does it all behind the scenes. You just fill it up, put it on your desk, and away you go. You drink all day long. And at the end of the day, you can see how you've done. And I really, really like it. Not cheap, but pretty cool and pretty slick too. Very good. Excellent work. Right. So from fancy water bottles to fancy pens, what's your pen and ink of the week? I've actually got two this week. Yeah. Uh, I got the, shipped to me, brand new, the Caveco Sport in that iridescent color that was out. Yep. Um, we talked about it. I was going to order this from Nero's and you guys couldn't get it from the distributor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found it on Amazon. 
because I've been looking for it and everywhere it sold out of it because I guess it was pretty popular. It's my first plastic sport, which means it's very, very light. For sure. Uh, which is which is okay. It's living in a pocket with a field notes notebook because, well, I'm tracking what I eat at the moment because, well, this whole health kick. Oh, man. This health kick has taken over my life. Anyway, um, the problem, as always with Kaveco, is... The nib was hit and miss, and this one was really scratchy. Mm -hmm. I'm getting really frustrated with pens out of the box that have scratchy or buggered up nibs. I don't know. Maybe this is a pandemic thing, but I've just, more times than not, I don't have a good nib out of the box anymore. And it's very frustrating for me. Um, this one, I, I could adjust it, but yeah, it was... Just frustrating. And, you know, I kind of look at this and say, okay, this is a, I think it was a 30, 30 some dollar pen. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's a great pen to get somebody into the hobby of fountain pens. And if you gave this to somebody and it was scratchy and it didn't write particularly well, it didn't feel that good. It's going to turn somebody off. They're going to put this in a drawer and they're never going to go to it again. And I kind of look at this and go, you know, I, I get it that this is a cost in production manufacturing issue, but it is a gateway pen to selling more higher end pens. And I think nibs need to have more attention on them at the moment, but that's just me. Mm. Um, I, I, I just can't, I get so frustrated with it because I think it's such a negative thing. It is such a brand thing. Um, some brands, I think, are very good at this, um, and some less so. So, to to you know, pick on Germany, Pelican tend to get this right. Their their nibs might not be the most inspiring, particularly if you like a fine line, mm -hmm. um, but they are reliable. Um, Coeco, uh, their nibs are made for them by um, both Bock and Yowo. Uh, it's difficult to, to tell by looking which one you've got. Um, and as far as I can work out, there's no real difference in, in quality control, which makes me think that the process, uh, is that Coeco are doing the quality control, you know, so Bok and Yoho sort of bang out the nibs and then Coeco are doing the quality control. And as you said, this has been going on for several years now where you can buy two or three, um, Coeco sports, or maybe there's only people like me that do that, but, um, and you know, one of them will be perfect. One of them will be awful and one of them will just be okay. And uh, I agree with you. I think it's a real problem. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So I was frustrated with, uh, crappy nibs. So I decided I couldn't handle the Lamy anymore. Um, anybody want it? Uh, email me. Uh, we'll talk. Um, North America. Uh, Stu's, Stu's got the European group. I've got the North American group. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, so I, I gave up on it because it was so thick for, for me anyway. Uh, I inked up a Sailor 1911 large, yep. which is just a black and gold pen. It was actually funny. I had it mm -hmm. laying next to my Mont Blancs in my case. And I had to take it out and read the little label on it to work out, oh, which one is this? Anyway, it's a, it's a hard EF. So you can only imagine, Stu, this would not be something you like at all. 
Oh, you could pierce marshmallows with it and, you know, roast them over the fire, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. If I'm doing my uh, sugar test at the moment, I could use that uh, instead of, <laughs> you know, prick my finger with that. And hey, there you go. Uh, anyway, I filled that up with a Robert Oster Muddy Water, which is kind of a, a greenish blue. Lovely color. Writes lovely. I've been using it all week. And oh, my God, it's so much better for me than the Lamy. So I, I've got a couple of pens. I'm I'm actively using both of those. I've cleaned out some that, you know, just didn't fit for my hand. And, you know, I think it comes down to my, my takeaway from this, because we're getting to takeaways early, Stu, <laughs> is there's, there's no reason to have a pen that you don't enjoy. Sure. There's so much inexpensive variety of pens out there and sometimes a little more expensive that you can find something you really love and that feels right in your hand and for your handwriting um don't don't put up with something that just isn't up to snuff and speaking of stuff that's up to snuff stuff that's up to snuff what are you writing and how is it uh well i'm with uh a couple of pens this week uh, so what I mentioned last week was the uh, Platinum 3776, uh, the Platinum Century 3776, oh. I think is the correct term, um, with its um, delightful sort of Chartres Bleu, Chartres Bleu, I went all French there, I'm sorry, um, uh, Chartres Bleu barrel and cap and the sort of rhodium trim. It's just a very, very nice pen and it writes so beautifully. Um, and that got me all sort of Japanesey. So I, I grabbed a Sailor Pro Gear. Um, I've got a white Sailor Pro Gear Slim, which is my first Pro Gear. Mm. Um, and I filled that. I'm just going to check. Oh, oh, live moving. Away from the microphone and coming back to the microphone. Um, what did I fill it with? It's a green, I think. When you were moving away from the microphone and coming back, I just have this mental image of the Muppets. You remember the Muppets where they'd run away from the screen and then come back? Yes, that's very accurate, I think you'll find. Uh, I do often come across as a Muppet. <laughs> I didn't quite mean it that way, but you, you know, trying to pre present a visual. Uh, I'll shut up now. Uh, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of animal, but a sort of portly animal. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking of, you know, where he kind of runs away and he's a little quieter and then he runs back to the screen and he's louder again. Anyway, <laughs> uh, our, our animal. Stu, what did, what did you fill that with? <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful green. Uh, I'd have to go away again. So animals running away again. And I think, I think, I think, I think. This is not a name that's going to tip off the tongue. This is uh, Shikiori, oh. which is a sailor ink. Oh, lovely. Uh, and it's a sort of, a sort of, uh, I suppose a forest green, maybe something like that, or a jungle green, perhaps. It's nice. It's lovely. Very nice. Cool. Are you still rocking the Mark III as well? Uh, the Mark III does hang around. It's a perfect EDC for me. So if I'm uh, taking a little notebook to golf or something like that, and I want something that will go in my back pocket, it, it is a bit... Um, it's harder than my backside, let's say, um, but it is indestructible. So I can sit on it uh, with a lot more sort of <laughs> security than I would perhaps if I was sitting on a Sailor Pro game. Um, mm. it's, 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 a little, it's a little tent peg of a pen, sort of 
big, fierce, rough, tough, and macho. Uh, so I still use that, but um, it's not on my desk rotation. Like you, I'm thinking life is too short for uh, sub-excellent writing experiences, and fountain pens are always going to be the best for me. Sub-excellent. Wow. We're all with the words today. Yes, all the big words are coming out. All the big words. All right, Stu. Hey, speaking of words, uh, what are you going to do with those? Are you going to uh, note them down? Put them. I almost certainly. Yes, as as we sit here, I have been writing notes, uh, and it's something that I do almost incessantly. And when I suggested that we talk about notes or notes, mm-hmm. what are they good for? Say it again. Um, it was just the sort of memory of when I started. I mean, like most people, I think at school I wrote notes. Um, uh, obviously, for some listeners, uh, you know, we used analog things. We didn't all sit there with with Chromebooks or laptops. Um, and then when I got my first proper job, I just did the little air quotes thing there for those people not watching. <laughs> It's, uh, my boss gave me uh, a daytimer, um, which is, uh, it's an American brand, I think, uh, of a, like a Filofax, but with the reference system has little six minute, uh, divisions. So every hour is split into 10 lines and he would recommend that you recorded what you were doing, or if you were in a meeting, just record anything, um, that was said. And he was very, 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 very insistent that you do this. Uh, we didn't charge, you know, we weren't doing billable time or anything. But he himself had experience where he'd settled sort of contract negotiations by um, referring back to his diary and going, well, when we met on the 15th, you said, blah, 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 blah. And this would so sort of, unsettle a non-plus person on the other side they go oh uh, oh, right okay yeah um fine yeah good and he would he would sort of win the argument and he he banged it into me i mean he wasn't the nicest of people i'll be honest but he he made me understand the importance of of notes and got me back into taking them again and i've never really stopped i don't think um all all through my my corporate career I would do that to my staff. I would turn around to them and I would say, okay, well, when we spoke about this in April, you were confident that you could do 25 a month. Well, was I? Well, yes. He said, don't worry, Stu, I can easily do 25 a month. And you're doing 12 a month. What's happened? What's the problem? And, you know, I, I'd sworn to myself I would never become <laughs> my boss. And I exactly became my boss. Um, but that's what got me into the habit and that's what got me into journaling again. That's what got me into just, uh, using notes as field notes would say, I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember it now. So thinking on paper, uh, which got me to thinking, well, what does Justin do? Does he make notes? It's weird because sort of the role I'm in now, I'm very largely independent and talking to people um usually it becomes more of a digital record hmm. uh you know there's there's a record of the conversation going back and forth so it's it's a little different at the moment i take notes for myself 
but I've sort of, my note taking is more in a daily journal type of thing mm-hmm. and much, much less than I used to and much more ephemeral. Um, for example, my like today card that I'm using for analog at the end of the day, I was keeping them for a while and I thought, why the heck am I keeping these? And that's gone. So a lot of that note-taking has become much more ephemeral than it used to be. Uh, Like you, when I was meeting with people and, you know, if I'm still meeting with externals, um, which, you know, you don't really do anymore, you know, it's, it's phone calls, then I sort of take the notes, but I've got, I hate to admit how many filled notebooks of work notes I have on my on my uh, bookshelf here. But yeah, I, I do keep a, a fair amount of those. I, I do think it's getting less as I go. Okay. Um, and and has become much more digital for me, which is a change that I hadn't thought about until we, we started uh, thinking about this topic. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think um, digital, digital note-taking is very much on the rise. And... It's very in vogue is the phrase I think I used in the notes because um, uh, or we both discovered around about the same sort of time at Obsidian um, and started playing with that, which is, um, uh, I mean, partly every time David Sparks says it, he apologizes for saying it. So I feel I should apologize. I'm not going to talk for hours about Obsidian. Um, but it's a, it's a very clever app. Um, it's, uh, it's a note-taking app using Markdown files, Markdown files that sit on your computer. It's uh, therefore pretty secure. You're not sending your stuff to lots of funny servers. It's not locked into a weird format. Looking at you, Evernote, um, and it's a it's a it, it does bi-directional linking, which is what everybody gets terribly excited about. And people have made livings on it. So there's Nick Milo, um, a man whose voice both Justin and I find quite difficult to cope with. <laughs> Uh, uh, no offense, Nick. Lovely course. Uh, he he does a thing called linking your thinking, uh, which you can find at linkingyourthinking.com. And again, it's all about the power of note taking and developing your ideas and using note taking as a sort of capture mechanism to move towards then creativity. That's broadly the direction these things are going. It's all very in vogue, and uh, I got into my Obsidian. Obsidian is on the nerdy side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has a lot of power, but you have to do, not coding, coding would be overstating it, but you have to learn the syntax, uh, and you have to use plugins and sort of blunder around a bit. It's not the most discoverable of apps, I think I would probably say. Um, there are plenty out there. Um, and again, I'm not really talking about the things that are available, but, um, I've been looking at craft recently. Have you looked at craft, Justin? I haven't. No. How is it? Because that's kind of, well, it's kind of up our street in that it's, it's very Apple centric. Um, doesn't work anywhere else, (laughs) but it's, uh, it's privacy first. It's got, um, sort of, you know, strong views on privacy. From my point of view, I like it because it's Hungarian. Uh, I've got a you know, I've got to think about hungry. You still love that, um, and it's very pretty. It's got that Apple aesthetic, and it follows sort of Apple interface rules. Um, so that's a really good alternative to Obsidian. It does much of the same thing. It doesn't have a crazy graph 
uh, which Obsidian is famous for, but I don't think either you nor I was a huge fan of that anyway. <laughs> uh, there's Rome, which is akin to Scientology for for note-taking. Um, <laughs> people, people seem to get very, very, very passionate about Rome. Uh, it's all it's all online. It's all in the cloud. Um, none of your data is yours, but um, there's no reason to assume that the people behind Rome are nasty in any way. But people that get into Rome really, really seriously get into Rome. Uh, they're, they're a bit like sort of Tesla owners. What do they call that? The cult of Rome, I think, is even what they uh, nickname themselves as, right? The users. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is scary language that they use around it. And, and they are, you know, hugely passionate about it and evangelize for it. Uh, then there's Notion which um, I don't know if you ever got into Notion or played with Notion. I tried it for a little bit. Notion is the, is the most incomprehensible thing on the internet. It's like, <laughs> right, download Notion. What the hell is this? Oh, it's everything. Pardon? It could do everything. Oh, make me a coffee. No, 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 nothing's happened. Um, for, for someone at my level, it was I, I, I Hang on, I have to watch how many videos for how long to understand how this even works. Um, but I think it is incredibly flexible. That's that's what people tell me. Um, and then the other, the old ones, Keep, Google Keep, that's a sort of Google version of Evernote, which is another one. That was the original sort of big bucket where you could throw everything. OneNote, which I think is the Microsoft uh, one. Uh, one that's really interesting, and you might want to look at, would be Note Plan. Uh, it's on Setup, um, which I know you're a user of, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's built around what something you said earlier. It's built around daily notes, mm. um, and it's all sort of calendar integrated and stuff. I've I literally today downloaded it and started having a look at. I downloaded it first, I suppose, about four or five months ago when it was very much in its infancy. Um, uh, whereas now it appears to have come quite a long way. So that's worth having a look at. But I think the important thing is really, for me, note-taking is about this whole PKM, they call it personal knowledge management. Oh. Uh, Of of which many, many books have been written, I think. Uh, Sense-making, that's what Nick Milo calls it. Uh, Or I think he calls it note-making sometimes. But there's a whole load of buzzwords around this this thing. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering who's got uh, all of those on their buzzword uh, bingo cards, because, you know, I think somebody's probably just got the four corners and maybe a line straight across. <laughs> exactly. I, I think you're absolutely right. Certainly when, um, uh, you know, Mike Schmidt started talking about Obsidian, he ran a course or what? Yeah, he did run a course on it as well, I think. Did a course on it and a workshop. Uh, yeah, he did. And, uh, you know, I got into it and I, and I do use Obsidian. I have to say Obsidian is my, uh, it's where I do my study notes. Um, and it's where I'm now, are you ready for this? Building my second brain. Oh God. Don't you know? Um, All right. I, I think I got a line on my bingo card here then, Stu. <laughs> well, that's the title. That's not, that's not a buzzword, honestly. Um, but uh, it, it did prompt me reading, reading the book to think about, okay, why do I write or indeed type, or I suppose dictate notes? What is it I'm trying to do and wh- where do I get involved? And I came up with, I think seven areas. So, hmm. uh, for my writing, so ideas, uh, when I'm trying to write either a blog post or a book, um, 
I have ideas, I jot them down in one form or another. Let's not get carried away with, with the, the mechanisms. I try and capture those ideas somewhere. Mm-hmm. Two, what I'm studying. So if I'm uh, watching a YouTube lecture, which just clearly we don't do anything in person anymore, um, I, I type notes in Obsidian. That's my, my sort of normal thing at the moment. Um, likewise, if I'm uh, doing any reading, I use, um, I use an app called Highlights, where it's a bit like on a, 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 on a Kindle, you can highlight passages. Um, you could do it with PDFs, which I'm sure you could do through Kindle anyway, but this app is just a bit more elegant. So I use that and then import those into, um, you know, wherever I'm keeping stuff, which is Obsidian in my case. Um, planning budgets, this can be electronic or it can just be a pen mm-hmm. uh, where I'm sitting down thinking, okay, how am I going to try and achieve something? What's it going to cost? I'll start thinking, I, I, I would say out loud. It's not out loud. It's on paper or, or, on, a, or on a spreadsheet or on a, just a, a note. Um, just start thinking about what the steps are, sketching out how a project works. Mm. Um, likewise with goals and objectives, I tend to think those things out physically in some way. Um, I've put plans, which I suppose is taking the goal and the objective and going a little bit beyond that. Um, projects, likewise, pretty much the same thing. All four of those are almost the same. And then number seven, um, musings and journals. So where I'm perhaps looking at what I feel or how I felt or um, those sort of more lovey-dovey, touchy-feely personal things. Mm-hmm. Um, I find useful to do that. I've tried digitally. I used to use day one and day one is brilliant. I think because of the way that you can put photos in there and it gives you all the metadata and all that jazz. Um, but it just doesn't feel quite the same as writing it in a journal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like the rest of the world, I suppose I'm the, I'm the sort of, you know, waiting for this wonderful writing experience that automatically becomes electronic. Um, but, uh, all the things that are right there at the moment, I don't think are quite there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do find it useful. I think it, it helps me understand, uh, what I'm thinking mm. and I'm doing more of it now than perhaps I used to. Whereas you say you're doing less of it. Yeah. I mean, certainly, um, I was taking the topic to look at much more digital. Um, and I, really I'm doing 90% of my writing is analog, you know, right at the moment, uh, digital writing blog posts and stuff. I'm not doing a whole lot of those. Mm-hmm. It's just been a rough year for me and, you know, just timing and everything like that. Uh, reading, I read, unlike Stu who reads on his Kindle, um, I read real books, paper, uh, preferably hardback. And the challenge that I have is if I want to take notes of anything like that, I actually have a notebook that I take notes in. Mm-hmm. If I have anything that I have to reach for a device, you know, sitting at my computer is not a good thing for me for reading because I get mm-hmm. distracted very easily. So I'll sit on a couch and I'll sit at my desk, my, my analog desk, and I'll, I'll write on a notebook, pulling out a pen or uh, an iPad to write on, uh, you know, if I pull out, um, 
uh, my iPhone, I just find takes me out of the analog book reading that I'm doing. So I, I do very little of that taking notes thing. Uh, if I do that, it's all going to be, it's all going to be on paper. Planning, budgets, goals, objectives. Well, planning and budgets for me, well, I, I'm, I'm an accountant, so hey, mm -hmm. Excel is my friend there. But sure. uh, the planning, the goals, objectives, that that's all analog for me. I really sit down. And then afterwards, I'll go back and put things, you know, if I need to, in my task manager, into my uh, calendar. But really, everything starts with an analog version for me. Uh, musings and journals, uh, I've never gone into sort of day one or anything like that. It's it's always been long form with a nice pen or pencil in a series of, of journals, which is good or bad, you know. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure about it, but certainly I've never been able to figure out how sense-making, note-making, PKM ties all of these disparate ideas together. And so I've, I've kind of gone away from using all of those things. And, and I got to be honest with you, the rebellious part of me gets a little bit turned off with all the hype, you know, of PKM, everybody's got to use Obsidian. Mm. And I'm still looking at the, why do I need to use Obsidian? Because really, I don't need to make a lot of links of things unless I'm working on creative stuff or a particular project. I've, I, I have it. Um, I don't use it a lot. I've got some stuff in there, but if I look at their cute little graph, I've got like a little pocket here, a little pocket here, a little pocket here, and never these things have any sort of, uh, interaction between them because of the different parts of my life that I've tried keeping notes of. And so really I've kind of, I, I go back, I use drafts for uh, sort of keeping my notes and I tag them so that I can find them. Um, and that's as simple as I really need at the point that I'm working at the moment, which is, well, probably not very productive according to uh, Mr. Milo and Mike Schmitz, but hey, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And I think um, you're sort of, you're, you're in the zone of frustration that I think lots of people are in, myself included at times, where um, there's a whole load of stuff that flies at us from, from all directions. And there's a whole load of thought that occurs to us you know, throughout our day. And it's difficult to know what to do with all that. So I know I've been on walks and you know, something has occurred to me. And I thought, oh, that would be, yeah, that's how I can deal with that issue at Nero's. And by the time I get home, I've forgotten it. Um, or in the shower, that's the, the classic one that everybody talks about. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, reading a blog or reading a book, come across something, oh, that's really good. And then it sort of just disappears. It just floats away. And the object of, of, of note-taking, note-making is to say, right, first of all, I'm going to capture that. Either that useful a piece of information or that bit of insight that I've had, I'm going to capture it somewhere. And drafts um, that you mentioned is a fantastic place to do that. Which is why I use that so much, yeah. Yeah, it, it sits in the dock of my iPhone. There's one of the ones, there are there are four apps down there and one of them is drafts. Just Mine too. If I need to quickly note something, it's unbeatable. Um, and then I can send it off. The, the sort of next stage after that sort of collection of, oh yeah, that was, that was important is okay. What was it important for? And, um, I've, I've written in the show note that 
there's a sort of recency bias because I'm reading this book at the moment, but I really enjoy um, Tiago's approach to this where he says, look, Evernote or anything else is, is a bucket where you're throwing stuff into the bucket so you know where it is. And that's great. But me and everyone else ends up with this really full bucket and goes, I've got no idea what any of it's for or what it means. And then you can take a sort of omni-focus approach and start going through everything and tagging it mm-hmm. and, and sort of making it a really organized bucket that still means nothing. Um, and, and he's come up with his, his approach to what to do with these notes, which involves a review. Mm-hmm. And there's a, I think there's a great, a great argument to say, well, actually, the important thing is that you're doing a review. It's got nothing to do with notes, is that you're doing a review. Um, where, where you go through those notes and say, okay, so, hmm, yeah, yeah, I thought that was important. It really isn't. So throw it out of the bucket. Oh, that would be really useful for uh, the Nero's web project. I've just made that up. So I'm going to put that in a folder called, wait for it, Nero's web project. Um, and why did I think it was important? Oh, actually, maybe this line was most important. Perhaps I'll highlight that within my notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so he talks about organizing and distilling. This, this is the, the four-letter acronym, ladies and gentlemen. Please, buy his book anyway, but the four-letter acronym is CODE. So collect, organize, distill, and express. And that's what he suggests you do with your notes through a review system where you organize them, distill them, i.e. sort of cut away some of the rubbish, work out what's really important, what's resonating with you, and, and perhaps express something. Use that in whatever project it applies to. And then he goes on to a sort of filing system or a, uh, yeah, it's a filing system. Hmm. So I see some elements of GTD in there. Is that right? Or Oh, very much. He comes from a GTD place. And there you go. Mm-hmm. Got a big spike there. But, um, Bingo. Uh, his, his next acronym is PARA, uh, which is, yeah, exactly, which is uh, projects, areas, resources, and archives. So as far as he's concerned, your Obsidian, my Obsidian, your file manager, my file manager, should essentially be split into projects, areas, resources, and archives. And he goes in to explain what he means by all of this. And I think what I'm finding beguiling more than um, perhaps the you must use Obsidian, it's great, is the idea of, okay, this is a way to look at your notes and to turn them into something useful. And if, you know, little sort of graphs of backlinks and connections appeals to you, then probably Obsidian is the place for you to do that. If that stuff doesn't, then you might like notes, you might like drafts, you might whatever. Um, what's important is that you're capturing those things that occur to you or strike you or resonate with you and doing something with them. Now, it's only important if, as you point out, there's a sort of outlet at the end, mm-hmm. some sort of uh, production, whether that be a presentation, whether that be a book, whether that be a video, a blog post, or whatever, or even you want to express your sort of you know, develop and express an opinion on something. This is a method, not necessarily the only method, but a method of doing that. And I'm finding that pretty beguiling. I'm, I've got to say, I'm in, I'm enjoying that sort of okay. This is a disciplined approach to what for me has always been quite chaotic. Mm-hmm. where I have, uh, like you, I've got, um, I've taken them off the shelf, but I've got a whole, for this current uh, project that I'm working on, sort of corporate one, I've got now five Baron Fig confidants 
<laughs> name of the company one, name of the company two, name of the company three, and dates of of notes that I've made through meetings, through presentations, through Zoom calls, through thinking about something, um, which is fine. That's great. That's helped me at the time, but it will be a nightmare to find anything in there. And that's always the danger with the analog stuff. You know, you can't have tags and metadata and all that in, in quite the same way. So um, I'm, I'm enjoying the idea of saying, okay, let's try and build for me a personalized framework that I can place over all these resources and say, okay, if I want to put everything everywhere, that's, that's fine. But there are advantages to going to this place and that place and that place. Because I don't think yet there is the one app that rules them all. Mm -hmm. um, one place where you can say, everything that I do will live here. I mean, it would be nice if it was, but you being you and me being me, we'd, we'd still have our head turned by the next new app. <laughs> the game charging past. So um, I, I think it's about the system more than the technology or the, the tools, if you like. And it's really useful. I, I'm finding it really useful. Hmm. I hadn't, I've seen the book, I've seen some of the talks and kind of um, gone past it looking at, okay, it's all yep. PKM systems. The system itself actually seems to resonate with what I'm doing, uh, which is hmm. capture, I think, is the most important thing. I would suggest that a lot of what the PKM people want to do is use that as a capture tool for everything. And Obsidian, well, I'm going to be brutally honest. The last time I looked at it on an iOS device, it was crap. Uh, you, you only had one option for where your, um, your management file was and your sync was a little off and well, you know, just, it didn't quite work the way that it does on say a computer, uh, on a Mac or anything like that. The idea of the capture, though, is, you know, what I'm doing in drafts. I, I find, as, as you said earlier, drafts is the ideal capture tool. Uh, I have it on the home screen of my watch, so I can push a little button, I can dictate to my watch, and it will create a new drafts note for me. And then I have part of the review process, the end of each day, I go through and clear my drafts. So I'm using that... I hate to say as my, as my obsidian PKM style thing, but that is my collection tool. Mm -hmm. There are things that I don't think belong in a PKM system and that's fine. You know, a lot of my stuff from OmniFocus is task driven or follow up driven or uh, sorry, from my drafts rather than from my OmniFocus. And that goes into my OmniFocus. Sure. I want that information to be actionable. And I think that's where we sort of get into that. Are we using one system to rule them all or are we having different systems that we rely on? And again, maybe this is historical baggage on my part. I have processes and systems that work. Um, you know, there is not always a reason to then create another place for this to live. Mm -hmm. I, and it's an interesting thought because I haven't really gone that way as, as this is just an archive. Um, I'm, I'm old school, you know, again, I've got the archive in drafts itself. If it's something that I want to keep, I tag it and just archive it in drafts. And yeah, I probably could put that somewhere else, but that process, it's an extra step. 
that I now have to cultivate and curate? Is it something that I want to keep long-term or is it something that is just a reference item? And what is the value of that? Yep. Sure. You know, there, I could see certainly applying this framework that there is a use for that. I'm just not sure it fits into my workflow at the moment. And, you know, maybe that just is um, my resistance against the hype of Obsidian or, or uh, Notion or Rome, any one of these, been the answer to every problem you've got. Hmm. Um, I think if you if you make a determined method to use it, and you're using it in the right way. For example, let's say you're working on a creative project and you need research and backup, great place for it. In some ways, because I'm, I'm assuming it used to be the same way if you still aren't, I have a notebook for everything. So I have a notebook for the books I read, the notes from those. I have a notebook for my thoughts. I have a notebook for my work with my work notes in it. I, I have all of these different notebooks that are project specific mm -hmm. and I could probably replace those with any one of these notion obsidian PKM type things. Uh, but again, it's that sort of capture and workflow. Maybe if there's an easier way to translate written words into digital, I might consider that as much of something that has value for me. But I, I find the switch to me from note-taking in an analog way to digital is enough of a barrier to say none of these is quite right for me at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I think you've, you've sort of come from the other end to say the exact same thing as me, which is that the, the tools, you know, whatever they are, are secondary to the workflow and the process, which is fine. He's come up with a four letter acronym because it helps him sell, sell books. Um, and I think also because it's a very effective way of creating a workflow. You and I coincidentally both use two capture tools predominantly. One would be a notebook and the other would be drafts. Mm -hmm. that, that's where we do capture or collect uh, as he would call it. Um, and what we then do with it varies. So um, I'm sure we both leave stuff in notebooks and, and you know, rely upon our wonderful memories to find stuff if we need it, or just accept that those things are probably not things we're going to refer back to. There are other things where, you know, the second stage of our process is to organize. And that will be for you at the end of the day, you go through draft and you say, right, these are tasks. These need to go across to OmniFocus. These are notes that I need for work or, you know, wherever they might go and live, different things will go to different places. And, you know, there is an archive where, where that archive is. It could be in drafts. It could be anywhere. Who knows? I mean, Devin think, there you go. There's one to think about. Um, I think those, those processes are what are important. And for me, what I'm doing really is revisiting my process and going, okay, am I doing this in a logical way? Because the information that I want to organize or distill or, you know, reference, that does not suit the analog system unless I'm prepared to get it to Zettelkast and, uh, and you know, forward referencing and back referencing and manually. And dear listener, I'm not. 
um, the <laughs> the things that I need to be able to refer to. So I I want to write a book about um, a, a a village in Cyprus that is um, it's Cyprus is divided. Um, it was invaded in 1974 by Turkey, uh, and there is now a dividing line across the island. But on the Greek side of that line, there's a tiny little enclave, literally the size of a village, that's Turkish. And it has no land border with, it's completely enclosed. So the only way that it can be, be serviced is by boat. Um, and it's abandoned, there's nothing there. But it's just a weird anomaly. Now, I, I saw that because I was, I was actually taking a weekend up in that part of the world. I went, well, what's this? And then did what everybody else did and Googled it and looked at it and thought, this is amazing. This is brilliant. So I, I captured some links. And then I was walking the dog and I thought, well, what if in 1974, there was a guy and a girl? Oh, hang on. Boom, capture that, capture that, capture mm -hmm. that stuff. I need to be able to find <laughs> because of uh, all of those strands will come together into a novel. That's my hope. And for that, something digital is, is the place to do it because I can search it essentially. Um, and as Justin has said, that could be obsidian, that could be drafts, that could be any one of a, a, a number of things. What's important is that I know where it is. Um, and that's what I'm exploring is what tools are, are best, but most importantly, what is my methodology? Because the methodology should be the same regardless of the tool. I think that's what I'm getting to. Um, and I'm just really enjoying sort of provoking that thought in myself again, challenging myself. Mm, very cool. Yeah, I think you're right. It really comes down to what your use case is. And I think you've got the ideal use case for keeping something that you can reflect on and build on and link to for you know day-to-day -day jobby job stuff which is kind of where my head's at at the moment it becomes less of a critical thing for me to do and less value in intending that digital garden Ooh, how's that for a callback oh <laughs> but as you say you do have actually a pretty iron system in that the stuff goes into drafts. And if you don't have time to do your review, it's still in drafts the next day. Mm -hmm. But at some point you take things out of drafts and put them where they become actionable, whether that be in uh, OmniFocus or, or anywhere else. You bet. And, and I think that's the, the really important thing. Yeah, I, I agree. For me, with where I am at the moment, that works perfectly. I, I can see there's some value. You know, Again, a lot of the people that are preaching PKM, are the creative types they're talking about it on the internet they're they're making this for you know as Stu is doing they're building pieces of content together and create creating new content uh to well talk about and i can see value in it from that from a daily point of view just living and working and you know it becomes a little a little tougher so my takeaway from this one yeah. is the start with why because the technology, the hype often feels like we have to make notes. We have to engage in PKM because we need to be productive. I would question what is the effort and the return ratio for each person and for each person in each scenario, it's going to be different. But for me right now, 
I don't need to go there. And I think that is an added burden for me that I just don't have the passion and time for, to be honest. Um, other people like Stu with a particular use for it, you know, the interesting parts of Cyprus, I think are just fantastic and would be a really good use for it. How about you, Stu? What are, you, what are your takeaways? My takeaways are Justin hasn't understood, but no, I think my takeaway for this is what I'm, what I'm trying to understand and I'm getting there through a very obtuse angle is the importance of having a system that deals with, if you like, my project management, my creation, uh, but also that very practical, pragmatic thing that Justin is doing, saying, I put everything in drafts and then I take it from there to where it needs to go. That simple step is the most important one. So if you were going to do something in the yard, um, you want to, I don't know, build a greenhouse or a, a shed, um, for me, I think the process has to be, okay, I want to build a shed. What do I need to do to do that? And start, whether it be in drafts or anywhere else, by making some notes and crystallizing my thoughts and creating a roadmap for myself. And Justin's absolutely right. Process over form. Mm. The, the, the things that, that the tools that we use, great, sure, geek out, have some fun, explore them. That's what I do. But at the same time, it's that process, it's that discipline of using whatever form you, you make your notes as a tool to get to a destination, whatever that destination might be, which I think is my takeaway is exactly the same as Justice, but about 5,000 words longer. Hmm. I think we, we agree on this. Yeah, this is cool. <laughs> not, not always we get to the same point after uh, such a conversation. Indeed. All right, Stu, where can people find you on the interweb? Uh, you can find me at stuartlennon.com or you can find me at nerosnotes.co.uk or even nerosnotes.com, let's be honest. Uh, if you want to find me talking about uh, uh, UK politics and other nonsense, then you can find me at Twitter at Stu Lennon. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? I'm hiding from the internet and we're going to talk about that a little bit on the next episode of what I'm doing and why. Uh, the easiest place to find me though is at justintwyfer.com. Uh, if you want to see pictures of really nice wineries in uh, my area of the world, you can find me on Instagram at j.j.twyford because that seems to be about the only place that I'm posting stuff at the moment. If you have thoughts, comments, or tips for us, uh, stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. If you would like free pens, uh, please send us an email because Stu and I, I think, are both at downsizing our collection. Uh, please take a moment to like and review us on your podcast catcher choice, as we really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Our next topic is going to be on downsizing and digital weeding, which we talked a little bit about last week, and we've kind of referred to a little bit today. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, sir.